welcome back to the podcast. This is the final segment of this album review of The Record by Boy Genius. And this is only going to be the last two songs just because I wanted to keep each of the podcast episodes, you know, to section off different parts of what I consider the record, which is, you know, a musical journey. And these last two close the album on a kind of well, they're very different. So Anti-Curse feels like a good closing one. And then Letter to an Old Poet is a very s- sad, dark song. And it's how the record ends. And it's, um, we'll get into both of them. But Anti-Curse is sung solo by Julian Baker. And Letter to an Old Poet is sung solo by Phoebe Bridgers. And yeah, I'm gonna just start talking about Anti-Curse. It was based on a real event that happened when they were songwriting while they were in Malibu. And Julian Baker tells this story of how she almost drowned when she went into the water on a really dangerous day to be going into the ocean when everyone, signs, people were all warning her against it and she did it. You know, kind of just as a rebellious act and how this song is the story of her escape from drowning, essentially. Getting deep I'm out of my depth at a public beach I never listened, I had to see for myself It's coming in waves Shoots through my mind like a pinball string She said in a Rolling Stone uh, interview about this song that I was like, this is not the worst way to die. It's not traumatic, lonely, some sort of weird violent and or horrible disease. I was just having a great time on the beach with my friends. It was like being smothered to death by puppies. It's a very interesting way she's referring to it, but because drowning to many people is a terrifying experience, but definitely like it exemplifies how serious the situation was where she was sure she was going to die. Jamie goes, I was screaming for help. I'm so glad you didn't hear me. <laughs> that would have been, been embarrassing <laughs> if you had saved my life. <laughs> it would be embarrassing to die like that. <laughs> anyway, here I am just singing this song. Now the song in itself is a, it's a more rock song, just like I said many of Julian's solo songs on this record were. And it's an interesting song because it builds with like the electric guitar a lot. And it has this, you know, it breaks the surface point during the choruses just and it kind of emulates what, you know, like a wave kind of building and crashing and things like that. And it's a, you know, while the beginning, especially the first verse is dedicated to her discussing her experience just pretty vividly of being in the ocean and looking at herself and seeing that this is an example of how she never listens to other people's advices and if we're looking at that in a more broad way, it's exemplifying the fact that she tends to not believe other people and she has a self-sabotaging trait where even if people say, oh, you're going to get hurt doing this, she has to teach herself her own lessons. I think that's in general like a common thing and it's representing this like this stubbornness about nature of a lot of people that they need to just witness their own mistakes and they can't learn and they can't listen unless they have proof of it from their own journey. 
something interesting with her with her saying salt in my lungs because it reminds me of salt in the wound from the boy genius's ep and now from salt in the wound it's salt in my lungs and it's kind of this change in events and a maybe more drastic situation it's not just painful but it's her um getting swept up into this possible tragedy and she you know ends this verse with the most i think the main point that this entire song is making is that she was in peace with her inevitable death because death to her and to well it happens to everybody and you know I think it describes how when you're in a situation where you have no answers to any sort of way to get out of it and you know that there's no one saving you because no one can hear you you're just you're going to have to come to terms with it and have this great sense of peace I think that's really what this song is about it's about understanding that while it is scary to be in a situation, it's not it's not scary of what's to come because she's made you know, you have to make peace with that aspect, just like with I know the end, how I was talking about that. And it does kind of like although Julian's not a nihilist, it is a nihilistic um feeling to make peace with that. Um, which, you know, like in Satanist I was saying, how she doesn't believe in that, but I guess she definitely does have some um some related ideas. And then from that, when she's making peace with that sort of concept that, okay, this might be my death, it's almost like she's having in the chorus a sort of look back on her life and what she accomplished, what she went through, what she did in her lifetime. So she's like, you know, it's this idea that we beat ourselves up for so much of our lives and we criticize every single minute thing that we do. And in the end of the day, when you're looking at the whole picture, she's kind of looking back and saying, well, I, I did okay. Like, I made it to this point, to the point where I was swimming happily in the ocean with my friends. Like, or I was on the beach with my friends and I decided to get into this beautiful ocean on a beautiful day and swim. Like, it, it you know, it, things were not so horrible after all. It's this kind of wake-up call and realization and, you know, epiphany when you're in a, a bad situation that you get to see the light and... You know, people always talk about when they die or when they're dying, they're looking back on their life and it's it's peaceful and it's not so bad after all. You know, she does criticize herself at, when she says she, you know, is not necessarily the perfect friend. And then she uses this very clever terminology. The original album the title for the record was going to be girl joker which i think is really cool instead of boy genius and so she says wound up a bad comedian i think that's just kind of insinuating somebody who says all the wrong things trying to make a point but it doesn't entertain other people and also just reflecting on the fact that yeah she made she has a lot of bad habits and that's like part of her personality and she's accepted that along with everything else and then the whole, then the, when everyone else starts to join in, when Phoebe and Lucy join, they're all kind of reflecting on their uh, childhood here. Um, even though it's Julian's story, they all are singing when they say, there we were, was anyone's ever so young. 
describing this light childhood sort of experience that also has a bit of rebellion that kind of was the foundation for who she became and also I think the line about unpacking God in the suburbs has a real like juxtaposition because for Julian and Lucy they both grew up in like a suburban area actually all three of them grew up up in a suburban area but uh, Lucy and Julian specifically in the southeast and I think that is definitely there's a lot of associations with that going against uh, LGBT rights even though that's obviously not the case in um, everybody. there's this awesome build up where the guitar just slams and it's um I think it's really catchy but it's definitely a slower sort of build and uh, climax of the song like it feels very intense and almost sounds like waves pounding and pummeling against somebody's skin as they're swimming back to shore and also I think this idea of because Julian spent so much of her life um, you know, in her music, at least, where she describes this feeling of loss and wanting to uh, take her own life. And then she's put in the place where she realizes that offer that offer is up for her. And she is allowing, she doesn't need to do anything. She could just stay there and let, you know, nature take over, take its course and give her what she, you know, spent so much of her songs talking about what she had attempted and what she, her lack of belief in wanting to be alive and her lack of belief that she deserves to stay alive and I think what she's saying with you don't have to make it bad is like just because you're put in a situation where you're like this is what I said I wanted once upon a time and now I'm giving it to me and maybe this was fate and maybe this was what was supposed to happen it doesn't mean that you actually have to take that opportunity you always have the chance to turn things around and that's kind of what she's expressing in this song, I think. And that goes for anything, not just obviously something so dark and morbid. But the idea that just because you're put in a bad situation and you know how to make things worse for yourself, it doesn't mean you have to. You could choose a more positive route rather than being like, I've come so far already, I may as well just sink into you know the realm. Rather than pushing and resisting, which I think is really a hard thing to do. And also it kind of goes back to like the, it's a bad idea and I'm all about it from $20. And then, you know, in general, like Julian just, she talks about making things worse in, I don't know how many songs. I'm going to say, I mean, she talks about it in Rejoice, in Good News, in Sour Breath, in Appointments, Heat Wave, Crying Wolf, Hardline. Give me everything
like so many of her solo songs are just talking about how she tends to self-sabotage and ruin everything that could be good and now she's explaining her growth with this song where she's like I don't have to do that just because I've done it before And she is kind of saying this is like a terrible attempt because she never writes love songs, mind you. She never does. And so, and neither does Lucy. And so like this album being an album dedicated to their love for one another, it's a new concept for all of them. And well, maybe not Phoebe. Actually, yeah, Phoebe too. All three of them don't write pure love songs, you know, about being in love. And this album is the an example of them being together that's when they're experiencing real love and they want to actually talk about it in their music and they want to do something different and so it's uh, it's a foreign thing to all of them which is why she says sounding out the foreign characters now after this song you know was released and they went on tour at, by the end of the tour julian started switching writing the words to the best love song you've ever heard because i think she's starting to become more used to it the fact that oh yeah this is a love song and i'm good at writing love songs look at this album looks look at what it did for our careers and I think that's, it's a cool change. And she changes it from foreign characters to familiar characters as well on tour. She did that at the Halloween show as well. And then she ends it with... this idea that her experience was not, not a curse it was opposing a curse it was going against what could have been a curse on her and in ruining her and her loved one's lives or possibly it was even a blessing because it changed her life and it gave her this whole epiphany that this song is about and i think that goes into that ties perfectly back to making peace with my inevitable death because the two are like bookends to this song that was her epiphany and this is what that epiphany did it was a blessing for her life I think this song is really cool and the lyrics are really straightforward, I believe. Um, and it's it's the perfect example of just, yeah, a near-death experience and what it does to a person, how it changes them for better or for worse. And I think it's, I think the guitars really emulate the song and it's a darker theme, but it has such a positive message that it feels like it makes sense that it's a lighter song. I think this could be one of the most difficult to construe and connect with songs because it's such a specific event in somebody's life and it's so the music is particularly different and I really appreciate that about this song. I think it's it's so unique on its own and it, there's something very special and different that is nothing like the rest of the songs on the album. While the other ones were talking about love and even though this is considered a love song, as she said, it feels like so much more. This is like a whole uh, re-change of events on life. And I think she created a song that like summarized. The last track on this album is Letter to an Old Poet, um, sung by Phoebe Bridgers. And it's a very, very, very dark song. It's arguably their darkest song. Uh, and I was really going back and forth about whether or not I had permission or would give myself permission to talk about this song because it's so 
personal and sad and it describes a horrible scenario of the push and pull and unfortunate magnetic force of an abusive relationship and how trapping it can be um and when phoebe performs it she actually always says um please everybody put your phones away i don't want this song recorded i don't want to see phones in the audience i want to connect with you guys emotionally because this is her bearing her heart and soul with this song hello i was having like a intense conversation and catering earlier with my good friend about the cycle of abuse and uh just like getting really emotional um and like talking about how it's really hard to get out of but um but once you're out it like is unbelievable how different your life can be and uh and uh, I'm feeling that today. This song is important to me. And uh, I'm gonna ask you to put your phones away. And she really wants to connect. And so, yeah, so people don't videotape this performance live. And she always comes to the audience and will hold someone's hand. And I think there's something really emotional and beautiful about that and how, and I don't wanna speculate at all about what this is about, who it's about, or anything of that matter, because I do want to talk about it, but I will talk about it in a very, you know, careful way where it's not an analyzation of what the meaning is necessarily, but why it's important to me and why I think it's so important that it was shared. And before I get into it, I was reading an article uh, by British GQ um, a few days ago, and Phoebe was talking about in it how disrespected she felt when she was in Europe performing this song because when she asked people really respectfully to please put their phones away and they wouldn't listen, it felt like a real knife in the heart, like she couldn't get anything back from all that she was giving and how she would she went into the audience to a girl and had like this real emotional connection with her and was holding her hand and then looked down and saw that the girl was secretly videotaping her and it ruined the the moment because it is like a break of trust because you know she will like be teary-eyed when she sings this and she puts her whole all into this song and I I want to stop and say like screw that girl and everybody who doesn't take it seriously because I think it's so important that artists deserve, I mean, they put everything, they put their heart and soul, they're the most vulnerable people who share everything that they're feeling, even if it's horrible, like in this song. And when we get so much honesty and truth and everything we want, and we get our favorite artists to come to us and hold our hand, it is, and they have asked us prior to put our phones away, literally get out like if if you don't respect that because it's so it's such a violation of the connection and it's also just such a shameful thing to take for granted people's words and it's such a sign of of uh, a lack of loyalty and being an untrue fan that you're you're deserving you're getting this connection with somebody and they asked you for something and it's personal and it's intimate and they're in you're gonna in response just disobey them when they're asking you a simple favor it feels so it's so important to me that like we as fans respect artists as much as 
anyone else who would ask us a favor and any and they're not and also it's separating this idea that like they don't they won't know or oh it doesn't matter because they're above me and it's like and this is kind of going into this god complex situation where you know you worship somebody to the point where you put them on a level where you actually don't think you guys are equal therefore it doesn't really and that creates a separation this void between you two to the point where you also just in turn don't also feel like you need to honor every single thing they say because why because nothing's going to happen you're just a fan it's not a personal connection they won't care and it's you can use that idea that mindset to create distance from artists and break their trust to connect with fans in the future because the whole idea is that yes artists are incredible I worship artists for, for sure but you have to understand that you guys are also both people in this world who do things for one another and offer tremendous gifts to one another you know they're lucky because they have fans who love them and love their music and we are lucky because they give us life and meaning and the best music in the world we each give something and therefore the same thing has to be true when you do anything disrespectful in an audience it's like it's a sign that you are not taking into consideration that this affects other people and it's a very selfish thing and it's this idea that you're you don't believe that what they say necessarily matters because they're so much higher above you and you can never affect them but you do and that's why it's important to have such a you have to remind yourself that we are even we're all even in this world so letter to an old poet is as i said definitely the saddest most painful and uh, personal song i would say on this record and maybe even ever put out by boy genius and it's interesting because they were deciding between putting We're in Love as the last song, which actually I think would have been a really, I think it would have been better, actually, personally. I think it would have made it a little more of a positive ending, but that's not Boy Genius at the end of the day. Like, they're not trying to make you feel good with their music. They're not trying to be like, we love you, we love life. Like, they're, that's not their goal. Their goal is to express how they're feeling and to make a statement and I think it was more powerful to end with letter to an old poet as much as it might be more like sweet to hear like that ending of we're in love and to hear like that I could go on and on and I will like and the idea of them coming back to each other as a kind of closure but I think they didn't want to close it so much and so they left it with this kind of melancholy sad piece that has you like realizing that like they're not all just like stoked all the time basically they're not just like we're in love we're happy we got what we wanted blah 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 it's not it's like there's still parts that are like healing and they're trying to make a statement with that and I think this was Phoebe's idea to put letter to an old poet last which is like kind of her thing I think with like I know the end which is kind of also a melancholy song a little bit even though I do consider it to be happy um but it does have some like intricacies that make it a little bit of a downer and I think she likes to end you know you she wants to end you on a shock with her track list and with her album and she said we're in love as the last song makes so much less sense I think I just like the idea of we're in love as the last song because it's about us or ending on a note walking together we're still doing that on this song though even though thematically it's not about us it is us essentially like she's saying that even though that song obviously is like about them and things like that more literally this song is still super personal to all of them and it means a lot to all of them because they've all kind of been 
through similar situations that Phoebe describes in this song. And I think it's really important that they stuck with their like integrity and their gut feeling about choosing not what would be maybe the most like accepted and most wanted, but what feels right to them. Now going into the sound of the song a little bit, it's um you can actually hear it at the end of Anti-Curse. Or even a blessing. the beginning of this song kind of start to fade in and it's very interesting because it's a very it's a strange dissonant sound that you don't often hear it's you know me and my dog is a very sad song and it's my favorite boy genius song it's a song that made me fall in love with this band as i said and i am excited to talk about that at some point too but in all i don't know it has kind of it's a less um in your face sadness than this song is. This song is straight up like there's no way to interpret this song in a slightly positive way like at all. It is a real like downer and I think they wanted to even though they're using the same chords as me and my dog they made it so that it does sound more dissonant and so it does sound darker. Um, I think with like the droning uh, synth and the I don't know piano and so I was reading a little bit about this and so it is a set c add four but you would normally put your this is like music theory right here but you would normally have like the bass note resolve the third so that it sounds like a c like a proper major chord but here the third and the fourth are played at the same time which kind of makes it sound like unpleasing to the ear which is i think the point and then they're playing tritones which is just like a harsh interval and then they push to the fifth which just makes it like consistently kind of i don't know it's not like super pleasing and melodic to the ear which is super important for the context of this song that they're using chords that emulate what they're talking about and they're super unstable chords and elements and I think they're constantly shifting and I think that really reflects like the difficulty of you know feeling stable with what she's talking about. Now as I said I think well I mean it's pretty clear this song is about an abusive relationship but again it's not my job to speculate it's no one's job to speculate they're just saying they've all been through similar experiences like this where they were in some form of abusive relationship they've said that in interviews and that's why they all really connect to this song and you know phoebe took it upon herself to write it and i think it's a topic that we see in like motion sickness um and moon song you know and it's in like it could be about a variety of people or it couldn't it may not be about a person in particular although the the way that it feels so personal and they're taking specific examples and anecdotes it does feel like it could be about a specific person but again that's really not like I said I'm trying to be super careful about what I say and how much I speculate if at all because like I said this is uh it's not meant for you to like read into their own lives they're kind of trying to it's them putting their heart out onto a song really raw really openly and it's our job to listen and connect and find ourselves in this or not, hopefully, but still find pieces that stay with us. And we have to make it about us, not about them and what this means. And it's not, I think it's so important to, you know, separate like a song is not a tabloid. It is not a sort of, let me diss this person on the internet. Now, 
that doesn't go for everyone. Obviously, there's some artists, like I know Taylor Swift is totally chill with putting out names and, you know, being a little bit more comfortable with sharing who a song is about and blah 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 and making it pretty obvious and that still doesn't make it a tabloid it just means she's comfortable with the public kind of reading through the lines whereas I think they boy genius doesn't really want to be so specific I say that as somebody who I know just reviewed Emily I'm sorry which of course is way more specific but with this song I should say it doesn't need to be a sort of press release or like even a sort of attack on this person it is just getting out feelings that you need to through the best medium that you know how to and I think it's important because it's also something so many people can relate to and feel hurt in especially discussing a topic that many people are really scared to discuss and really worried about talking about in front of other people in case they will be judged for like why did you stay in that relationship what why are you like so weak and it's it's not about weakness this is a very strong song and it's about getting closure over past pain and how to move on with your life after that and all the you know twists and turns and push and pull that comes with coping in the aftermath and as Phoebe said, and like when she was talking, she said, you know, that she still thinks about it. She still gets emotional about it all the time. These things just don't go away that quickly. She is, you know, still processing and yet she feels so much better already, which is honestly really impressive that, you know, in her short amount of life, she's already feeling so much happier from something so destructive. I think that's super amazing. And I think that music probably was a major contributor it's her stating that you know you don't have to be like perfect the moment you get out too and I think that's what I'm assuming from the song it has the same melody as me and my dog towards the end and I'll point out and compare and contrast those two pieces when we get there because I think it's really clever and I think it's just like I said a continuation a sequel to me and my dog I think I just think that's such a clever thing that they took little bits of their old you know, original EP to put into this. It feels so cohesive and like one whole thing, like these two projects that they've, you know, put their heart and soul into have like come together full circle. And I just, I think it's really special. Speaking of special, let's get into the first line. I said, I think that you're special. You told me once that I'm selfish. And I kissed you hard In the dark In the closet I think this opening line is just It says everything you need to know about the song Um, The simple two-sentence conversation that they had And how it underlines so much of their relationship You know, somebody who worships the other person As I've talked about a lot in a few of these songs, you know, there's this common theme and motif, I think, of worshipping a loved one as if they are above you and a celebrity and all of that, like we saw in Punisher. And I think this is no exception, you know, telling somebody these kind and adoring statements and in return, they will say something so harsh and unkind to you in return and in response, you will still admire them and still appreciate them for saying anything at all. 
you know, Moonsong, when Phoebe talks about it, she says it's the kind of love where you are letting somebody step all over you because at least they will do that. Having somebody at least want you enough to try to hurt you is more than just the empty void of nothingness and no feelings for you at all. And I think that's kind of mirrored here in this song. And I think the alliteration is also important to notice that like two simple words that mean not opposite things, but extremes, I would say, in what you would say about another person. And and her response, you know, is is just, you know, continuously showing affection, no matter what they say. I think that's really what this first sentence is about and how like you could let anybody could say anything to you if you love them and it does not matter and it won't change. It won't change your respect for them, but it'll change your self-respect. And it'll make you start to believe that everything they're saying is true. There's some sort of metaphor here in the dark, in the closet, kind of, you know, giving a illicit affairs kind of image where it's like a hidden thing because that's the only time they will be around you is when you're in secret because they don't are ashamed of you or they don't want to be seen with you. Or it could be also a sort of like allude towards, uh, you know, the term being in the closet, like being queer but not showing that to everybody and I think the next line is like one of my favorite lines of this song it's what really got me when I first was listening to this I listened to this when I was in um I was in Big Bear right when this album came out and I was like driving in the morning and I had to like pull over I couldn't believe how insanely good this song was it was like a please stay reaction you said my music is mellow maybe I'm just exhausted. Yeah, I mean, people's music, what they, I'm not sure if she's saying here my music that I listen to or the music that I put out, but either way, like, the music that you have in your heart, whether it's the stuff you're writing or the stuff you're listening to all the time, is, like, totally reflective of you as a person like I mean anything like it's a sign of what you connect with and what you see yourself in that's really what music is it's just a reflection of you as a person and I think people who listen to like I mean anything you can just look at any example of music and it says a lot about who you are that's why it's like one of my favorite icebreakers it's like it it defines you a little bit I would say in your taste there's some people like who listen to a wide variety of things which you know, I would take into meaning like, that's great. And it's a good thing. And it means you're open. But it also means possibly you're not you don't have an obsessive personality. You don't have a um, music is not your whole world. If you're like, listen to a bunch of stuff, because I think people who like define themselves by their music taste, like that's what my life revolves around. That's like, it measures time for me. Uh, I think that you usually have a genre that you really connect with and that you kind of dive deep into just because it's kind of hard to dive deep into every single genre. That being said, there's also the extremist of like a person whose literal job is music and they have to like all music. But you know what I mean? Like there's usually people who really get into it and really connect, uh, usually have a genre that they like will dive deeper into kind of be a connoisseur of that genre if that's what I'm if that makes any sense at all what am I saying I'm saying basically if you listen to music that is kind of mellow then you know somebody could be saying oh like your music's kind of boring or your music is a downer and it's depressive and I don't know why you would listen to that and it's like well we listen to and we love what we connect with so 
do with that what you will and that's kind of what she's saying here and she's saying like maybe it's not that I'm bored maybe it's not that I uh, want to put out this music maybe I'm just exhausted and I think it's I think it's a really important like comparison your the stuff that you write all the content that you express it's a reflection of how you're feeling we see that with all types of art really maybe she's kind of being like well maybe it's not a choice but maybe it's just all i can do you know maybe possibly a metaphor for how you comport yourself in a relationship and if you're just kind of like detached and unemotional people might call you those things or like broken or something but maybe it's just all that you can give you think you're a good person because you won't punch me in the stomach so it's so real because so many people base their values and their morals on if they're a good person and like their ethics just on like violent acts being the you know gauging point for how bad of a person you are but you know somebody could like hurt you so bad physically and it won't be the same. It won't have the same long-standing effects that verbal and mental abuse will have on a person and emotional abuse. And I think that's a really important thing she's like putting here into this line because it's like being a good person doesn't mean just being quiet and or being calm and nonviolent. There's a lot more to being a good person. It's showing compassion and respect and love towards the people in your life and if you can't do that that doesn't mean you're a good person it just means that you are not the very worst essentially or sometimes you are worse sometimes I think it could be worse like in the long term scarring somebody emotionally than scarring somebody physically even though that's like both of them are super dark extremes but as in my like viewpoint I think that it's like your ethics have to be deeper than just the things that you can see and I love you is like perfect it says everything you need to know about why a person feels the way they do when they're in love with like their abuser or when they're in love with somebody who treats them horribly why somebody stays with somebody when they know it's not good for them and they know they're in pain and it's simply that you don't know why it's as simple as that and she's very like reflective and like honest here about that she says these three super basic statements, but they cover up the entire point of her message in this song. It's just, yes, these are the facts. I do feel this way about you, and I have no idea why, but it is what it is, essentially. Like, it's kind of like a not strong enough. Like, I don't know why I am the way I am, but I am, you know what I mean? It's just this acceptance that you're not the best person and that you don't make great decisions and you're kind of exhausted of like trying to pretend to be somebody different because you want to seem like you're good to other people or it's other people are telling you this is bad get out of this and it's just like sometimes your heart overpowers your mental decisions and that happens all the time and I think it's important that some people will portray themselves in a way that doesn't make them look perfect and like like we hear so many songs where 
women, men, anyone, uh, talk about how, you know, they are, like, powerful, and they have all of this, like, self-respect and self-worth, and even if they didn't in the past, right? You always hear people talk about these things, like, I loved you, I didn't know why, I'm better now. You hear all of these kinds of songs in the past tense because I don't think people want to express that they're presently doing bad. Like, you'll always hear people say, oh my god, last year I was such a wreck, I'm good now. But how often do you hear people say, no, I'm doing really terribly right now. Like, it's people don't want to, they're gonna be, like, a little bit cautious no matter what, but it's really cautious and really difficult to say, no, in the present moment I'm not doing well, I haven't gotten better yet. And I think that's what she's saying here. It's like her feelings, maybe they have, maybe they haven't. But when she says it in the present tense, it makes it apparent that like these, all these feelings and all the pain doesn't just go away. Like all the time in music, I always hear people being like, I'm stronger than you. I'm better than you. I got out of that. You made me a better person. But like, what do the people do when they are still feeling this way and they haven't gotten over it yet and they don't know when they will? Like it makes those people feel really alone because it seems like everybody has just gotten themselves out of that and they're completely unscathed now that they've extracted themselves from the situation. But that's not how it always works and it goes a lot deeper than that. And I think it's I think it's really important that she's like putting some light on that and that like I almost like like kind of how an addict, like I know I bring up addiction a lot, but it's important to reflect with this song because this is a type of addiction of liking something you know is bad for you and continually being you know, reciprocative of it, even though you know it's, like, killing you a little bit, uh, no matter what type of substance, person, thing that is, um, and this is, like, no exception. It's wanting something you know is bad for you, and you still can't stop because there's a deeper underlying cause that you can't really control, and I think, and when, you know, addicts, like, let's say, like, they do stop whatever they're doing, it's the same sort of thing, you know, you go through the steps, it doesn't mean you're clean, it doesn't mean you don't get the thoughts, doesn't mean you don't get over the feeling you just learn how to extract yourself from the situation physically but you're not special you're evil you don't get to tell me to calm down it's such an important thing to like talk about because so many times people play the victim or they will feel like they're trying to make themselves understand their reasoning behind their actions was okay and that the person was actually not so bad and they'll almost try to defend them just so that they can make themselves look better like I was with this person but he wasn't so bad or she wasn't so bad uh, because there's all these good sides too and they're special and they're different and they're not so bad actually and it's this idea of just like making excuses for people you love and because you love them it's okay that they treat you badly and the truth is it's never okay it's never okay for people to treat you badly and no matter how much love you have for them and it's not fair to have somebody abuse you and and this is kind of her being like, no, there's no good part of you. You are an evil person. And sometimes we need to say that. Some people are evil. I just, I, I really, really believe that. And some people are possessed by evil spirits that make them do terrible things. And they are not special and they're not different. They're just a bad person. And bad people do exist. And that is my belief. And I really relate to this line a lot. And 
And then it's this idea of the whole gaslighting effect where people will try to make you feel like you're crazy for being hurt and being scared and being emotional. That is not their place when they do that to you. It's like this poem I read that said, uh, you burnt down the house and you put the matches in my hand and told me I did it. It That's by Lana Del Rey. But, but still, like, that's the whole concept. It's like trying to convince somebody that they're just oversensitive and they're not oversensitive. They just need to be treated properly. And, and you know, they're realizing that. You made me feel like an equal But I'm better than you And you should know and yeah, like a lot of times, and I love, I love that she says I'm better than you and you should know that by now because it is like, people need to have a reality check. People who do mean things, people who say bad things, people who treat people unfairly for things that they can't control, people who treat people badly for things that are not reasons to treat people badly for, those are bad people and they are not equals to you, to a good person. To a good person who does nothing wrong and nothing to deserve that ever. There's always like a fine line of comparison. It's like maybe I deserve these things that happened to me. But the truth is there's a difference. And somebody who abuses you verbally, emotionally, mentally, physically, they are they are worse. They are not as good of people. You know, people get blamed so much for being the ones being abused. And it's never ever their fault. It's never anyone's fault for being treated badly and they are not equals it's it's important to know when you're better than somebody it's a way to kind of let some of the pain go i think and also not you know there's ways in which you could say that hurts that i know i'm better than you and i put up with it but at least at least you're realizing it because it's one step closer to being rid of that person and emitting the evil from your life and it's just like I'm just so tired of people always making excuses and being empathetic towards both parties. Like, no. Sometimes there is one party who is completely in the wrong and they are bad people. And they do, and the other, the latter, the other side of the party does not deserve what's been going on to them. The person who's being abused is always, always going to be a better person because they're not the one doing it. And I stand by that. And that can be for anything. It's not just physicality, obviously. And any type of relationship, mind you. It's so necessary to know when you're better than other people. Because it will help you realize you're strong. And it'll help you realize you're not, you don't need, just because you've been treated badly doesn't mean you need to become a bad person too. You can see the light and step away from it. And distance yourself and stick to who you truly are. You don't need to be pulled down under the ocean with them when they're drowning. And that's an important realization. When you fell downstairs It looked like it hurt and I wasn't sorry And and I love that she keeps going like when you fell down the stairs it looked like it hurt and I wasn't sorry God it's it's so nice to hear somebody vocalize what get hit in the face sometimes people need to fall down the stairs and be left there and and they don't deserve anyone's forgiveness or sorries because you can't go through life being awful to people and expect that nothing's going to happen to you in return. And it's also could be like, a, I think possibly like a side to maybe like somebody who is like an alcoholic, you know, falling down the stairs. I don't know. 
Um, but then I like that she's just relentless with this. She's super relentless with this whole chorus. She's not taking it anymore. She's almost like this is her breaking free with this song. Like, I'm not going to be this martyr who just puts up with anything and stays quiet and puts her, you know, tail between her legs. Like, I'm going to stand up for myself and call you out and tell you you are a bad person. And I'm not sorry for what... I'm sorry that I stayed, but I'm not sorry that I left. And... I hope you learn, but I hope you also get what you deserve. Realizing that you have no empathy for a person anymore that you love at the same time is super real. And realizing like, yes, I love them. I will always love them, but I don't feel bad for them. And I don't care about them and I don't want them around. I want some, some sort of vengeance for the pain that they've put me through. And I think that's so valid. I should have left you right there with your hostages my heart and my car keys you don't know me but then at the same time she's like kind of admitting that she didn't even even though she wasn't sorry she also still went and like helped that person and she's looking back and regretting it and being like i should have just left when that happened when i knew that and she says three completely different types of possessions one of it which is you know, metaphorical, and one of which is super literal. And I think that comparison is just like, it's so cool. It's a very poetic line. Both something so mundane and both something so powerful and deep and emotional and the thing that's keeping her there. And then finally, you don't know me anymore, like, or ever. It's just, you don't know who I am and you don't have the power to hurt me anymore. And it's this resistance to the pain for the first time. And it's like, you can keep my heart, you can keep my car keys, I'm leaving, no matter what you've taken. The most heartbreaking line of the entire song. The most heartbreaking line I think they've ever written, and that Lucy said is like the saddest thing she's ever written. And she wrote this line, I want to be happy. Like, how sad is that? It's this total, like, positive like icing underneath just the most broken statement it's that like the way she sings it specifically is so desperate and emotional i just want the most basic thing that you know juxtaposing like i'm giving you my heart i'm giving you my car keys i'm giving all these things all i want is just to be happy and that's such a sad statement but it's also it's also optimistic like for the first time in my life i don't want to be in a relationship where I'm abused. And I think I want to pause to talk about that for a second because so often it's not just that people feel like they deserve the pain they get. People will latch onto pain if that's all they've ever known and they will think that's what love is and accept it. And not just that, but they will seek it out. They will seek out being hurt because it feeds a part of them that they can't understand and a part of their soul. And this think that you deserve happiness and you want it, that's the turning point. And she says, I want to go, you know, this is the part that I will say is compared to me and my dog. I want to be emaciated. I want to hear one song without thinking of you. The whole, like, concept of wanting, you know, because before she says, I want to be emaciated in me and my dog. And now she's saying, I want to be happy. There's just such a great change and growth in those two lines compared with the same melody. And I think it's so important that they, 
they they did those lines to the same melody and the same um genre of song and the same message basically it's like showing five years later there's been some changes and for the first time I respect myself enough to know that I deserve to be happy therefore I want it because it's such a trap to get pulled into the hunger for blood and pain because you don't foresee happiness And you don't even seek it. And you don't want it. You want to be a victim. And you want to be somebody who gets put down. And you realize in an epiphany one day that that's not what you want anymore. And that's the time where you change as a person. And you grow up. It's a really sad thing that it can take people so long. And that's a a real thing. And to a lot of people they'd be like, that doesn't make sense. But it's very real. To walk into my room without looking for you. Go to the top of our building and remember my dog when I see the full moon. I like that the music starts to kind of change at this point. You know, the um synth starts to ebb down a little bit and it starts to be a little bit more positive in the notes, and then it's this accepting part of the song where she's like, I want to finally get over this and I don't want to be looking for you anymore. Whether that means looking for somebody to hurt me or looking for somebody in fear that they're going to be there or hoping that they'll be there. It's just, I want to be my own person and on my own and be able to be alone and be able to be okay with my loneliness and accept and go up to the top of the building, which is like, when she says that, the music starts to do a little arpeggio up the scale which is almost like this, you know, lifting up as she's talking about going up to the top of the building and finding a state of mind that's above what she had before. And then I literally want to cry because it's so sad. She brings back the dog metaphor of remember my dog when I see the full moon. Because before when she wrote me and my dog, she said, just me and my dog in an impossible view. When you bring up animals, man, that's where I that's where I get really sad. There's also just like the you know the dog and the moon metaphor that she uses, like in Moon Song and things like that. And you know, remember the things that she loves when she sees the full moon, and remember the reasons that she's happy. I think is what she means, and then. The outro kind of fades away and the synth comes back. And I love this. This is so cool. She, She says, I can't feel it yet. Like, you don't need to be there. You don't need to reach happiness to start healing. But waiting is all you can do. And that's plenty. And I think it's such a beautiful line. And the waiting gets drawn out. The waiting gets drawn out so much that they have to take another breath of air as the music starts to suddenly come in again. But it's back to this C-Ad 4 where it's like super dark and dissonant and it all piles on top of each other and it clashes as their vocals are drowning, you know, through the sound. And they keep going and they keep holding that note. And it's actually really cool because there's, um, there's a repetitive little... Uh, riff that keeps playing on the piano the whole time until it eventually 
goes into nothingness. And I think it's like a, that repetitive cycle is super metaphorical. Feeling like life is repeating constantly as you're waiting, but knowing that eventually it's going to change. And that ends the that ends the song and on the record actually it's really cool because the they have a stuck needle at the end so that when you you have to go physically turn it off it won't click off on its own it'll keep playing waiting i remember i played this on vinyl for my parents and then i was just like let's see how long they're gonna note until they notice that the uh, vinyl hasn't stopped and i think it was like five minutes my mom came in the room and she was like what the hell is this like why is it still going and i was like haha but anyways, I, I just think it's so clever. This whole song is just so beautiful. And I'm, I find it really, really important that she does do this with um, no phones or the respectful and not bad people who actually listen to her request and put their phones away. I actually did, as I say that, I do have a video. I did record it one time, but that was before she ever announced that she didn't want phones to be out. She announced that, like, I don't know, months later, and it was fine to do. She crouches down. She comes to the audience. It's such a personal performance of it. And I honestly think she's really brave because a lot of people couldn't perform. Like, they can put out a song like this, but they can't play it because it hurts too much. And she is such a brave person for playing this every night. Like, I I have so much respect for anyone who's willing to be this vulnerable, knowing that they're going to be helping other people with their music. And that's what this whole album is. And I'm, I love it so much. The record is a work of art. And I'm so happy I got to go through it and break it down. And I think, I hope it does win Grammy Album of the Year. It was nominated and I am so proud of these guys so much. They put out the best album ever. I think it's a perfect album and I'm so happy that it exists during the time of my existence. But